Well, I am excited to be back with you all. Um, to be honest, I can't believe it's already been four years since I was here the last time. Uh, time goes by too quickly. But I'm grateful to Murray and Howard for the invitation to be back. And one reason I'm excited to be back is the chance to express in person my gratitude for your continuing partnership with the ANIAC Partners, which is the ministry that I serve with, as Murray said. Uh, we're deeply grateful for this church's partnership in ministry. Another reason I'm excited to be back is because of my connections to this part of Texas. Um, my dad grew up in Lubbock, and then I have relatives here in Amarillo. And in fact, um, my dad's dad died when he was a young boy. And the person who in many ways was a surrogate father for my dad um, was Ben Bruckner, who started uh, Bruckner Mac and Mac Truck and Volvo. And so Chris and Randy are a part of this church, so I'm always glad to be back out here. And finally, I'm excited to be back because, as Murray said, um, that means I'll get to beat him in basketball again. Um, I must admit, nobody come watch because it's not pretty. It's actually quite ugly anymore. I mean, neither of us can jump. We're slow as can be, um, but we still have fun. So that's a good thing. Obviously, we're all navigating an incredibly challenging time as this pandemic continues. I wish I could sit down with each one of you and hear something about your stories of what you've experienced through all this. But I expect we're dealing with some of the same challenges. Uncertainty, frustration, sadness, fatigue, and more. But despite all the disruptions that COVID has created in our lives, despite all the hardship, loss, and uncertainty, I believe these things are still true. Number one. God is continuing his mission of redemption and restoration in this world. He's continuing to fulfill his promise to bless all the families of the earth. Number two, God is continuing to invite each one of us to participate in his mission in the world in new ways. And because I really believe those things, I consider the privilege of being here with you all on this World Communion Sunday to be a wonderful gift from God. World Communion Sunday is, in fact, one of my favorite Sundays of the year. I am always eager to focus again on God's global purpose in Christ. This Sunday also gives us the opportunity to, to celebrate and recognize the amazing growth of the church around the world and the fact that we're one in Christ with brothers and sisters on every continent. I must admit I have to chuckle whenever I hear people talk about Christianity as a Western religion because that simply is not the case. Over the past 70 years, we've seen the dramatic growth of the church in the non-Western or majority world. And the truth is, the majority of Christians in the world today now live in Latin America, Africa, and Asia, not in the West. One of my heroes is a man named Andrew Walls, and if you've never heard of him, you're in good company. In fact, back in 2007, Tim Stafford wrote an article in Christianity Today titled, Historian Ahead of His Time. In it, he wrote, Andrew Walls may be the most important person you've never heard of. Bottom line, Andrew Walls was one of the first Christian leaders to see the 
the dramatic shift that was happening in the last half of the 20th century as the geographic center of the global church shifted from the West to the majority world. One of my favorite Andrew Wall's quotes is this. He wrote, Perhaps the most striking single feature of Christianity today is the fact that the church now looks more like that great multitude whom none can number, drawn from all tribes and kindreds, peoples and tongues, than ever before in its history. Praise God. I do praise God for this dramatic growth of the church in the majority world, but even as we celebrate this, I pray we don't forget that there are still more than 2.3 billion people in the world today that have little or no opportunity to hear about Jesus in a way they can understand. And right here in the United States, there are tens of millions of people who don't have an accurate understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. Our New Testament reading for today is from Matthew 28, and it takes place maybe 10 or 11 days after Jesus' resurrection. The disciples were overjoyed that Jesus was alive again, but they were still trying to understand what it all meant. I bet they were on an emotional roller coaster given all they had gone through. Joy, excitement, confusion, anxiety, hope. Then, just as Jesus had already appeared to some of the women and some of the other disciples, he appears to the eleven. And I believe these final words Jesus spoke to them are crucial for us even today, especially in the midst of this pandemic. Before I read our scripture, would you please bow with me in prayer? Lord God, as we prepare now to study your word, I pray that you would open our minds, open our hearts, that we might hear you speaking to us. And God, I pray that we would not just hear you speaking, I pray that we would be ready to obey. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. These verses are often referred to as the Great Commission. And in them, Jesus made it, vitally, made it clear that he had a vitally important role for his disciples to play in his continuing mission. Regardless of their circumstances, he challenged them to look beyond themselves and their circumstances and to see the bigger picture, the bigger picture of God's plan to bless all the peoples of the earth and the crucial role that God had for each of them to play in his mission. Let's explore these verses in more depth because they're packed with truth. And as I said, I believe they're vitally important for us right now. In verse 18, Jesus makes an incredible claim. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. My question for each of us is this. Do we really believe that? 
Do we really believe that God has given all authority on heaven and earth to Jesus? And can we believe that in the face of a pandemic that just keeps going on? What about in the face of a job loss or cancer or the death of a child? Even though they still had questions, the disciples had the courage to believe this incredible claim. They believed that Jesus was, in fact, already ruling the world. He was already working to bring all creation under his life-giving love and to bless all the peoples of the earth. Their belief in Jesus' incredible claim gave them the courage and the confidence to move out. And because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can have the same courage and confidence even today. Given my work with the Antioch partners, I get to see this on a regular basis. One of the TAP partners, partners is the term we use for missionaries, her name is is Lisa. Lisa is an occupational therapist, and she's passionate about making a difference in the lives of kids with special needs and their families. She met Jesus in a life-changing way while she was in college. And after college, she accepted a job in Chicago, and there she got connected with First Presbyterian Church of River Forest, Illinois. As she grew in her faith and learned more about God's global purpose in Christ, she sensed God calling her to participate in one of the church's short-term mission trips, in this case, to Peru. While she was in Peru, She worked closely with a local Peruvian church that's also passionate about reaching out to kids with special needs and their families. As she worked with that local church in Lima, she saw that many of these special special needs kids had no access to occupational therapy. As she prayed and, and wrestled with this, it became clear that the leadership of that local church was keenly aware of this, and they were eager to step into that gap. It didn't take long before God made it clear that he was calling Lisa to help meet this need, and so she began making plans to relocate to Peru. That's when she got connected with the Antioch partners, and TAP helped her develop her support team and get the training she needed. TAP also provided the administrative and logistical support that she would need, as well as the missionary care and ministry accountability so that she could thrive in her ministry context and maximize her kingdom impact. Lisa will be the first to tell you that saying yes to God's call to move to Peru was totally out of her comfort zone. But her confidence was and still is in Jesus. And she knows without a shadow of a doubt that God has given him all authority in heaven and on earth. And because of that, just like the disciples God gave her the courage and confidence to follow his call, even though it was completely out of her comfort zone. Returning to our passage, in verse 19, Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. These verses raise several more questions. One of them is this. Who are these nations that Jesus is talking about? The Greek word translated here as nations is the word ethne, and it specifically focuses on particular ethno-linguistic people groups. I know typically when we hear the word nation, we think of a geopolitical entity, like the nation of the United States or the nation of India or the nation of, of Canada. 
But the, 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 the focal point in terms of ethne is different. It's on these individual, distinct ethno-linguistic people groups. So in terms of the nation of India, there's actually thousands of people groups in India. And the biblical perspective, what Jesus is calling his people to do is to see that there's worshiping communities among all of these different ethnic groups. That all leads to the next important question I want to address, and that's this. How is Jesus going to do this? How is this process going to happen? In other words, who does Jesus expect to fulfill this task of making disciples of all the nations? As N.T. Wright makes abundantly clear, here's the shock. God's plan is for this to be done through us, through the church, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That truth never ceases to amaze me. As followers of Jesus, we've got important work to do even in the midst of a continuing pandemic. What are ways we can serve and point people to Jesus now, even with social distancing and the challenges of life in our current reality? I've been amazed at some of the creative ways I'm hearing about how followers of Jesus are reaching out and serving others in the midst of all of this. Ed Stetzer, the executive director of the Billy Graham Center, tells some great stories about creative ways that churches are reaching out as this pandemic continues. One church encouraged their members to reach out to people in their neighborhoods that are continuing to self-isolate and might need more help. This opened up opportunities to deliver groceries, to run errands, and to help in other tangible ways. Some church members even went around and put cards in neighbors' mailboxes, letting them know that they could contact them if they needed help. One church member received this response, Hi there, my family received your card offering help in our mailbox. I just wanted to say thank you for doing this for our community. Lately, I've lost my faith in God. But this was a helpful remember that God's still there. As this pandemic continues to evolve and, and, and progress, I'm sure there'll be opportunities to serve that will look different, but those opportunities will be there nonetheless. I wish I could learn about some of the ways you all have been reaching out during this pandemic. I was excited to hear about some of the creative ways you all are serving in the San Jacinto community. And from what I understand, there's still lots of opportunities to engage there, even with, with COVID limitations. And as I understood from, um, what's his name? Braden. Um, on October 17th, there's going to be another large food distribution on the fairgrounds, and they'd love to have more people help with that. Acts of service like these are tangible ways that we can demonstrate God's love to others. And in God's time, these tangible acts can open up conversations about who Jesus is and the hope and the peace that God offers to us in Christ. Returning back to verse 19 of our passage, Jesus' command was for them to make disciples. A disciple is a follower, a learner. As New Testament scholar Dale Bruner explains, the image isn't of altar calls. In other words, the focus isn't on just a one-time random presentation of the gospel. Rather, the focus in view is of working with people over a period of time to help them understand the life and teachings of Jesus and what it means to follow him. This, in fact, is our high calling, to be disciples and to make disciples. 
Jesus goes on to tell them to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He's definitely emphasizing the importance of the sacrament of baptism, but there's also a broader meaning. As Dallas Willard has said, Jesus wants us to submerge people in the Trinitarian reality. We're to invite people into the joyful intimacy of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus gives them the third task, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Like the phrase, making disciples, the teaching in view here is a process. It's an activity that requires an investment over a period of time. Could it be that this pandemic is giving us more opportunities to invest in people like this? To engage in extended spiritual conversations? To help people better understand all that's involved in living this Jesus-shaped way of life? TAP partners, missionaries Chris and Francilia McReynolds who serve in Mexico are seeing this. They serve with a Christian education and discipleship ministry called AMO. And they've seen God open up incredible opportunities for expanding their work through Zoom. Through the AMO program, kids are nurtured in the truths of God's word and they learn what it means to follow Jesus. AMO is holistic and interactive and kids love it. Not only do they learn God's word, they create art, they engage with classic literature, they use drama, they serve their communities, and much more. Chris and Francilia are quick to say they never saw this dramatic acceleration of their ministry coming as a result of COVID, but God did. Finally, Jesus gives them, his followers, an incredible promise. And surely I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. As some of you know, my family and I had the privilege of of living and serving in Central Asia for almost 10 years. I must admit, there were times during those years when, when things got really difficult and we didn't know if we could continue. And this truth made all the difference, knowing that through the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was right there with us. This was especially crucial for me in the summer of, of 1998. We had moved to Central Asia the year before, and after being there for a year, we were finally getting settled and starting to clearly see why God had called us there. We still had a lot to learn, but we had made good progress in Russian. We had developed meaningful relationships with our teammates, and we were seeing God use us in the lives of local people. I had no idea, though, what was going to happen next. I mentioned some unusual symptoms I was experiencing to a doctor friend that was there with us, and his recommendation was that I needed to return to the U.S. as quickly as possible for for further testing. As it turned out, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer, And at that point, the future was completely unclear. The prognosis wasn't clear. We didn't know even whether we'd be able to return to Central Asia or not. And I was sitting there going, God, what's happening? I clung with all of my being to Jesus' promise that he was there with me, that he possessed authority over all things, and that he was, in fact, working in and through all that was happening to me, even though nothing was clear for me at that point. By God's grace, within a week of my return, they did surgery and I was able to begin the radiation treatments. And then within just a couple of months, we were able to return to Central Asia. Knowing that Jesus is with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's a reality that can change everything. 
that knowledge gives us hope and peace, and it also gives us the courage to say yes to God's call, whatever that may be. And the truth is, Jesus is right here with each one of us right now. He's right here in this place, in the midst of this pandemic, and he's right with us, whatever it is that we're facing. And his presence with us, I believe, gives us the strength and the desire to look beyond ourselves, even as we struggle, and to never forget that each one of us has a God-given role to play in God's mission in the world. His mission to bring all of creation under his life-giving love and to bless all the peoples of the earth. To God be the glory on this World Communion Sunday. Amen.